0: Welcome back to the AIM podcast. Today we have special guest Steffi Cohen who is honestly one of the most incredible humans we have had on the show. You guys are going to love this episode as we dive into what it truly looks like to have a strong mind and how that ultimately will help you have a strong body. She has had so much success from an athletic standpoint breaking 25 world records in powerlifting. Now she's a professional boxer. She's also an avid speaker and an author but the way she approaches her mindset is something that I think every single person listening to this episode will gain from today. So I'm very excited for this episode. But before we dive in, I want to give a huge shout out to Kaizos Nutrition. This is the supplement company that I own and we have an amazing product in our Sleepy Time Cocoa Mix. If you are looking for a product to help you get better night's sleep, help you with your gut health, and overall just make you a healthier person, you need to go check out our Cocoa Mix. Go to kaizos.co K-A-I-Z-O-S dot C-O and use code AIMPODCAST for 25% off your first order. I'm telling you guys right now, it is the real deal. We have a digestive enzyme blend in the product to help with gut health. We have all natural, all natural ingredients in there. Nothing's artificial and we do not use CBD or melatonin. People are getting great night's sleep, improving their quality of health and it tastes delicious. So Go check it out. Again, use code AIM Podcast for twenty five percent off your first order. You will not regret it. Let's dive right into this episode without further ado. Steffi Cohen. Steffi, thank you so much for coming on the AIM Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm super excited. I know you're You're busy, you have a lot going on, but for you to make the time to do this means a lot to me. And I'm, I'm sure the listeners are gonna get a ton from this as you were someone that I look to as an incredibly strong human being, not only physically, but also mentally. And I really wanna break that down in today's show because I think what you've been able to accomplish um, throughout your life has been incredible, but I really wanna unpack the mental side of your success and and maybe even some of the lower parts of your life, whatever you choose to share there, but just how you've been able to build such a strong foundation up to this point. I know you're still building. So really excited for this episode. For sure. I think, you know, one of the cool things I'd like to dive into, obviously doing some research, you you come from a sports background, you played soccer, but even before... That like have you always been a high achiever even from a young age? Like where did this kind of start this this desire to achieve and succeed for you?
1: I mean, at least in sports, yeah, it's it's always been that way. I've ever since I can remember, I started playing soccer when I was about six or seven years old. My my father, he actually used to play for the for the national team in France, where he's from. So kind of the the passion for sports was ignited in me at a very young age and I kind of I had a great role model and and great encouragement from from my dad and from my brothers as well um so at least in sports yeah like I I, I remember being eight years old or nine years old and I, it was one of the first times that I ever visited the states and I went to like a foot locker or something like that one of the big I don't know a sports store and I was trying on some soccer cleats and I remember looking at myself in the mirror with the soccer cleats and I told my dad, I'm like, I'm going to be the best soccer player in the world. Like, it was just something that it was just kind of my dream since from the time that I was a a young kid. Um, but I couldn't say that it was the same in, in every other area of my life, at least not at that point. You know, I was I was an average student at best. You know, I passed my classes with like B minuses kind of thing. It was it wasn't ever something that I even thought that that. It wasn't something that really, really mattered to me. Obviously, as I matured and got older, I started realizing the importance of education and the importance of having a career and the importance of developing your your brain and in your and your business sense, of course, because I, I do have a I do have a st- standard of living that I that I or I had a standard of living that I wanted to be able to provide for myself. So but that didn't come until until I was mature and much older.
0: Totally, I, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it didn't. It didn't hurt to have a, a dad that played professional sports. I'm sure the exposure to the way maybe he approached his career and what he did obviously just kind of opened up your eyes to maybe even more possibilities. And obviously having that great relationship and support from him, I'm sure was super, um, just important in your early stages at as you kind of got off the ground with your own kind of goals and aspirations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it was it was mainly in the form of. You know, one of the things that I did learn from, from a young age was just to embrace the suck. You know, I remember coming back home from constantly being benched. I wasn't good, you know, when I started playing soccer. It's not like I was born with with a talent of, you know, of amazing footwork and amazing endurance or anything like that. I feel like I really had to dig deep and, and work really hard to earn my stripes in the sport, to earn my place in the team, to kind of like climb the rankings, you know, I was, I was pretty like unnoticed for a long time uh, at the beginning of of my soccer career. It took me about five or six years to like start getting some level of like notoriety from my teammates and from my coaches, my trainers and such. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm so grateful to have had my dad next to me, just pushing me, even when things, even when things sucked. And, and I think the thing that always kept me going, at least back there, back then was, how much I enjoyed the game, and 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 I've taken that with me in so many other areas of my life as I've gotten older. Like I remember those times and and how I was just so focused on the moment, right on the game, on playing, on having fun, on sharing with my teammates, on sharing with my dad, without thinking at all about any sort of performance metrics. And I think that especially now with technology and how um, overly focused people have become and dependent on this data and this technology, that it's taken away the fun from the game, the fun from being a beginner, the fun from learning a new task, the fun from from sucking and and having to work really hard. Right. And so I always keep that, you know, as a reminder in the back of my head, especially now that I, you know, just picked up another sport at at 29 years old. Um, it's easy to get caught in the in the rat race of like, oh, I want to be you know, you have an expectation for where you want to be and at what points in time. And that those are really dangerous. That's a re- really dangerous place to be because things don't always work out the way you want them. Right. And and more often than not, you're not going to hit those performance markers at the times that you're expecting. Like we're complex biological beings. It doesn't matter how incredible, you know, if you have the best coaches in the world, it doesn't matter if you have the, the best work ethic. Some things just take time and take uh experience you know to to develop especially now in boxing right like i have an incredible team like i can't even oh my god i'm i'm so lucky to have the connections i have and the team that i have around me but ultimately what i need is time and i have so much experience with that right i have experience being the worst at something and having to having to just i guess persevere and keep showing up even when even when i'm absolutely getting beat up and but now in boxing is like it's it's the best analogy because I'm I'm actually getting beat up (laughs) you know I go sparring (laughs) I'm sparring (laughs) these girls that have like 10 years experience over me right and and I'm just walking around with two black guys at at any point in time like for the entirety of the camp and one thing my actually my my new trainer brought it up he was like I'm after my fight he's like i'm just really shocked that you keep showing up mm. he's like i've because he he's a he's a very smart guy and so he tests us right like one day he had me do 12 rounds with a guy so it's like these little tests that for me i mean i can see through him i know what he's trying to do um but for me it doesn't even phase me right like i just know that it's part of the process and and i'm just so grateful to be able to to be an athlete. You know, I've, I've been, there's been points in time in my, in my career where I've been on the verge of having to let go of my identity as an athlete. And it's such a dread feeling for me. Like, seriously, it makes me tear up. Like I cannot imagine my life without sports or without being able to, to test my body physically. And so every day that I'm able to push my body to the absolute limit is, is, is a privilege. You know, I'm so grateful. Like sometimes when we go on these like long runs on the mountain, like an incline like this at six in the morning. And I hear the the boys complaining. They're like, Oh fuck, this is so hard. I'm like, dude, we get to do this shit. Like, do you realize how you are? Like, it's unbelievable. And in my head, it's like, I'm bummed because that is in my head is one less run that I'll be able to do. It's like, I'm just like chipping away, you know. It's one less run, one less day that I have to live as an athlete.
0: That is an unbelievable. I love, I love the way you tie into the, the the perspective there because I think a lot of times, you you just said so many good things. I really do want to unpack that because the first thing you said that kind of just really sparked something in me is this idea of just having fun as a beginner. It's like a lot of things. A lot of times, I think it gets way overlooked. It's like. With social media, with different things, it's so easy to compare yourself to other people and where other people are. Everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's on their own path. And if you lose sight in those stages, those early stages of you being a beginner, that's what allows you to become the success that you know. If you stick with it, you'll become like those are important stages. And and to the way you summed it up there too, just the perspective there of like not losing sight of those moments why they might not be enjoyable, why they might suck are going to play a role in where you, the person you're going to become. And so by you not treating it with the respect and with the gratitude, like you're missing so much. And I think you, mm-hmm. you just said it perfectly. I think that's something people need to really think about.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, I also think about it, like, uh, have you ever been in the ocean, like been cut in a wave and like gotten desperate underwater? Totally. That's the, it, it's the equivalent of like wanting results right now. You're not going to get them. You know, there's nothing that you can do to speed up the process. You just have to embrace the suck and have to embrace the moment in time that you are and just keep going. I think that the reason why a lot of people, a lot of people fail at the goals that they set for themselves is because they fail to appreciate those early, early stages and also fail to stick with things for long enough. Like some things, just because it took somebody else a year to accomplish something, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the same for you, you know? And I came to terms with that a long time ago. For me, it was in school. Like I, I came to terms with the fact that I'm a slow learner, you know, I need to, whatever takes somebody else an hour to memorize, it'll take me three. And at the beginning, I felt like it was so unfair. You know, I felt like, I felt like a failure. I considered dropping out of school so many times because it was so difficult for me to grasp seemingly simple concepts or to memorize seemingly simple things. And eventually it was just like there's nothing wrong with like having to work a little bit extra hard. You know, maybe I have a learning disability, maybe I have ADHD. I don't know. I, I didn't even want to know. Right. I just knew that my learning process was different and it occurred at a different speed. And it's exactly the same for sports, you know, a skill that the skill of strength. It took me six months to deadlift four hundred pounds. I was blessed, you know. I was blessed with the genetics to to get strong really fast. But somebody else might spend five years trying to get a four hundred pound deadlift, but they'll eventually get it. It's the point I'm trying to make. Like it took me six months. It'll take you two years, four years, five years, six years if you stick with it, you'll get it.
0: Totally, and I think not not in every case, but I do think there's a lot of times where. Sometimes the, the thing that you're struggling with or the thing that you feel like is your your downfall can end up being your superpower. It can end up being the thing that separates you and becomes a catalyst in your character and you know what you're going to build your personal foundation on. and I think people can't lose sight of that again. It just comes back to this idea of when you're constantly comparing yourself, you're going to miss the gifts and the things that you have and maybe in the moment you feel like it's not a gift, but it can honestly become one if you treat it with the right respect.
1: 100 percent.
0: 100%. I want to I wanna talk to you about what that transition looked like initially from you know an athletic soccer background to going into powerlifting, which is obviously, I know there are similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. What was that kind of initial draw for you personally to get you into that sport? And what did that kind of look like getting off the ground and having so much success early on, like you mentioned?
1: So I stopped playing soccer when I was around 20. I had just I came to to America on a soccer scholarship when I was 18 initially to play uh, Division One soccer at San Diego State. And I was so overwhelmed. This is this is one of my biggest regrets in life, by the way. It was it's to quit prematurely is is, is one mistake that I'll probably never make again. Um, because look, and this is just a side note, there and, and I wanted to I wanted to reiterate this because I did just say that if you stick with things for long enough, then you'll get it. But there's a there's the other side of the coin, which is also knowing when to quit, right? Because there are some things that that you might not be able to achieve just based on your skills and talents, right? Just based on the tools that you were naturally given. And there is no there is no harm and there's no shame in deciding that is enough, right? Perfect example I can give you is dude, Muhammad Ali. Like Muhammad Ali should have retired after he beat George Foreman that was his call and he kept going and look where he took him you know it didn't take yeah. him in the right direction you know he ended up being getting really sick because of it so there is there there are instances in which quitting is probably the best decision but that's that's called informed quitting mm-hmm. and it's different to what happened to me which was like <clears throat> i moved countries i was experiencing just just all of the, these overwhelming emotions related to moving from one country to another, not having your support system, your family, your friends, even recognition. You know, I came from from Venezuela where, like, my, my name wasn't on newspapers for being such an accomplished soccer player to a place where nobody knows who I am, right? So it was just a combination of so many things, and that coupled with just immaturity um, is what led me to quit in in it wasn't the right time to quit. I I definitely had more fight in me and I definitely had the skill and talent to to get better and and potentially, you know, get to the top of of that career as well. But I ended up moving to Miami um, looking for just a more familiar atmosphere, a more familiar place to be in Miami is is really similar to to South America. There's a lot of Venezuelans. It's really close to home as well. So it'd be easier for my family to visit me. So I ended up moving here and uh, and and I thought that I I was ready to not be an athlete anymore. I thought that, you know, I played my whole life. I did what I did. It didn't work out. And now I was going to just focus on school. And I mean, I got so depressed and so lost. And it was just one of the worst times of my life because I just felt like I, I didn't have this thing that brought the most meaning to my life, which was sports. So that's when I kind of entered this discovery phase of trying to figure out what else I could do. Right. But it's not just doing a sport for the sake of doing a sport. Like I I don't do anything in my life without, uh, without purpose and intention. So for me, it was like, right, like, let me try to evaluate what my, what my skills are. So what are the things that I can potentially develop and get better at? What are my talents? So what are my God given gifts? You know, what was I born with with uh, with an aptitude for and then what am I passionate about like what what is something that maybe I would love to do or something that I could potentially develop a passion for like those were kind of my three buckets so I started trying out different things different sports I bought a skateboard I tried skateboarding I tried Muay Thai for a bit I tried uh, half marathons, I bought a bike, I tried triathlons, and eventually I uh, landed in CrossFit. I, I went to school with Noah Olsen. He's a, cross, he's a CrossFit Games athlete, and um, I saw him on campus. I saw him on one of my classes, and he was so jacked and so cool. <laughs> and so I, I asked him, I was like, what do you do? Like, how do you, what What did you do to look like that? And he's like, oh, CrossFit. And it was at the beginning uh, be- beginning stages of CrossFit. And once I started looking into it, um i was like man maybe i could go to the crossfit games right like that'd be pretty cool so i started going to the same gym as him to peak 360 was just a couple or a couple of miles away from campus and i absolutely fell in love with the sport because it was every workout was for the purpose of competing against other people right like there's leaderboards and everybody's encouraging you and then you have a coach that's that's teaching you new skills that's teaching you how to do things there's a strategy there's there's times, there's points, you know, and it just gave me the it, it gave me the structure in my life that I was needing, you know, that sports gives me it gives me just like a schedule. And it gives me um the responsibility to eat right and to hydrate and to show up on time and to push myself and push my body, right. So CrossFit was that thing for me, at least at the beginning. And the what I was the worst at was strength strength was my biggest weakness and I was like okay I definitely need to spend more time doing the Olympic lifts need need to get my snatch better my clean and jerk definitely my back squat my deadlift my bench just my general strength markers needed to get better and so I started just spending a ton more time on that and next thing you know I transitioned out of the med cons, out of the, the workout of the day. And, and I was just spending all of my time in the, in the weight room, just kind of perfecting my craft. And um, that's how my, my first Olympic weightlifting coach found me. His name's Camilo. He used to be a uh, coach for the Olympic team in Cuba and for the Olympic team in Venezuela as well. And he kind of took me under his wing. One of the first times he saw me, he just went, Hey, do you want to go to the Olympics? And I'm like, (laughs) fuck yeah. (laughs) in what in what (laughs) like I don't really care what sport if you think I'm good at something and you want to and you want to coach me let's go like it doesn't matter the sport fencing freaking archery like I don't care let's do it (laughs) so that's how I got into it and I I did Olympic weightlifting for about five years really seriously like you know I after graduating college I decided to stay here in Miami instead of going back home or not back home but my family moved to Chicago but Going to Chicago with my family just because my trainer was here, I was taking it really seriously. And I got into graduate school to get my doctorate degree. And if you know anybody who who has gone through PT school, it's really tough. It, It really is. It's extremely stressful and extremely demanding and extremely time consuming. So training at the level that I needed to be training at for the purpose of potentially making an Olympic team or potentially like winning nationals or something like that was unrealistic. And not only was it unrealistic, but it was stupid and dangerous. Like I was, I'm throwing weight over my head on three hours of sleep. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like it's probably not the best idea. So in my head, I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to put, Olympic weightlifting on the passenger seat for the next three years while I graduate. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to develop my general strength as much as possible. And then I'll come back to it. You know, I'll keep my mobility. I'll, I'll, I'll do the lifts just for technique, maybe once a week, but I'll just focus on getting as strong as humanly possible for this next three years. And that's how I got into powerlifting. And that's how hybrid was born. The business that I started in during grad school as well. So it's just kind of like one thing always led to the other, and it felt it followed a very kind of uh, nice, nice and natural flow.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And then obviously, you know, you're you're very humble, but you getting into into powerlifting, I mean, you've had tremendous success. Honestly, broken probably more records than anyone else. I mean, you've got twenty five world records, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that's amazing. What you know, you've even I mean, some of the records you've even broken, I think turned heads where it's like, is this even humanly possible? And then you went and accomplished this goal. It was like, what is your take on, I guess, this idea of like mental and physical limits that people kind of impose? Because I think a lot of the things that you've done have have created people to rethink the way that our body can perform from a strengths perspective.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes, it's the same thing with, with really any, any world record that is ever broken, right? It, it always seems impossible until it's done kind of thing. And just based on my exponential progress at the gym, I just I just never had any sort of doubt that I could that I could do the things I wanted to do, right? Like I it was I I just knew based on how fast I was able to progress and how and how much improvement I was able to get from a technical perspective and so on. So I mean Obviously, it'd be it'd be pretty hypocritical of me to say that that the comments never got to me, because obviously at the beginning, more than more than any other time they did, it was it was all so new to me, I was, I started getting a lot of attention. And with that attention also came a lot of judgment and criticism about everything right about how I was doing things, why I was doing things, the way it's changing my body, the way I look, because I'm a girl, because this, because that. So at the beginning, it was pretty rough. Like I, you know, I, I did suffer a lot from reading a lot of these, just kind of like negative comments. But over time, you know, humans are amazing in that we adapt to anything. And so I adapted to that too. And I was able to, to grow a pretty thick and resilient skin against the against all of these negative comments and and people and, and just put my head down and and continue working in in the direction of my dreams and continue doing the things that I knew I could
0: what do you think obviously I'm sure there's multiple things you could you could share here what do you think went into that successful equation do you think it was mostly just hard work and consistency like was there a degree of your mindset that your your mentality kind of took you to the edge do you think there was an education piece like what were some of the things that you kind of experienced along your journey to acquire that success?
1: Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. Um, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say one, the fact that I, I'm committed to a a lifelong learning, you know, I'm committed to being a student forever. And so even getting into the sport, I've even been in the sport for many years for three, four years, I always approached it with the utmost form of humility. You know, I would, purposefully travel all over the States, all over the world and train with, with other people who have seen a lot of success. And I would ask so many questions, you know, I would tell them to take me through their workouts. I would, I would tell them to explain to me how they periodized their training and why they did what they did. Um, and so I I kind of like morphed my own training based on all of these different camps and trains of thoughts based on people's real experiences, based on on, on my ability to read and interpret research based on um my understanding of the human body that came from uh you know studying exercise physiology and then physical therapy so that that combination I think was was really powerful just uh, a kind of a broad understanding of what what evidence-based practice really is which is like your own personal experience the research and how it applies to a living a living biological system and I was able to just very kind of critically and methodically put together a plan that worked for me. Um, but but there was a there was a lot of thought involved. And and I think that as my career progressed, because getting strong at the beginning is fairly easy. Like anybody will get stronger at the beginning if they just lift a little bit more weights than the previous week, kind of thing. Right. But right. eventually as you accumulate more training years and more experience and more injuries and so on, it becomes a a really complex formula that you have to figure out for yourself like if you stop seeing progress do you increase or do you decrease your training did you stop seeing progress because you're not recovering or because you're not training enough Mm. nobody has right it's your body ultimately and so navigating through that was really difficult but i think that just my 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 ability to understand things and complex topics in the human body allowed me to continue making progress um Then the other thing is, was a support system. Like, I can't tell you how many times I was at the gym throwing the most ridiculous tantrums, throwing my belt around, throwing my shoes around, punching the wall, like punching my head. Like, I don't know, you know, that's the, that's the less kind of glamorous part about sports that it doesn't get spoken about at all, you know, and it doesn't get shown at at all. But I went through it. Like I've had some pretty ridiculous, you know, anger feats. At the gym and pretty ridiculous lows as well, where I like leave the gym crying as if somebody died or whatever, you know, and just having someone around to to tell you it's OK and and to wipe your tears and try it again or keep going was extremely powerful. And for me, it was my partner at the time and and a couple of my best friends that were that were training with me day in and day out. That was really powerful. So you you do need a support system because eventually you are going to doubt yourself you are it doesn't matter how confident you are it doesn't matter you know how driven you are how motivated you are I've I've experienced that throughout my entire not only athletic career but also professional career in business and and in school and everything like there's some times where I really don't think I can do it you know I really don't think I have it in me and and I really 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 want to quit so having someone next to you to tell you hey you know let's try this way or have you thought about it this way or You know, don't be so hard on yourself is extremely powerful. Um, And then it's so that that's number two. And then number three would be um, trying to stay in in neutral as much as possible with your emotions. Like people assign way too much meaning to their emotions and make decisions based on how they're feeling. And they tend to forget that emotions are transient. Like they're so temporary, you know, like I was really depressed yesterday. You know, I spent most of most of the day yesterday crying on the floor here. Legit. And today I woke up and I was like, OK, it was just a moment of vulnerability. It was a moment of sadness. Something something was suggestible. You know, something brought something up that made me really upset and really sad. And today I was fine. Right. Like I'm not going to say, oh, fuck it. I'm I'm depressed. I'm so sad. I'm never going to show up to the gym. No, you know, it was just a moment. So. I think that's the that's the other part. Trying to stay in kind of like a neutral emotional state as much as possible. Um, and and not and not assigning any sort of uh deeper meaning to the emotions that you're feeling. And then just doing the mundane, you know, being doing the thing that you have to do. There's a book called uh Chop Wood, uh Chop Wood Carry Water.
0: It's a great book. That yeah.
1: I I love that book. Like I'm it's real. It's all ideas that are kind of common sense. Like when you read them, it's like you read them and you're like, yeah, I know this. But the way that the story is told and presented and presented is like, oh, okay." like that is how I should just approach my entire life. Basically, it's like it just takes a lot of repetition and a lot of doing really boring shit over and over and over and over again for you to get somewhere, for you to get the amount of training and of practice and of knowledge and of experience to actually, uh you know, take steps forward. So I would say those four things.
0: That's incredible. That's super, super valuable. I appreciate you sharing that. And that's a great book. That's actually my uncle got me that book when I turned 18. And um, it changed my life. I mean, it's so true. And I think that's another place a lot of people miss is they just simply overcomplicate things. They think they have to do all these crazy things to succeed. And at the end of the day, like you said, it, there are a handful of things that you just have to do consistently and they're very simple and they're basic but that's what gets you to where you want to go and uh, yeah and kobe i've heard kobe talk about too kobe Bryant will talk about just like not getting too high not getting too low wins losses whatever if you can maintain yep. that mindset of just staying level that's what's going to take you because there's so many things in life that we cannot control and this yep. is something i put out content this week about it i just ran a 50 mile race on saturday in san francisco and the race got canceled but my 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 partner and I said, you know, we're not gonna, I don't care how bad the wind is, I don't care how bad the flooding is, we're gonna go run this race and we're gonna control what we can control. And so we went out and we mapped out our own 50 mile race and we did it in lieu <laughs> of the actual race. And again, it just comes down to like, what are you willing to do to succeed, even though life throws curveballs at you and you can't you can do anything about it?
1: That's so bad.
0: Yeah, it was sick. It was crazy. That's epic. But I mean it's it's how do you what-
1: feel? How do you feel after the 50 miles?
0: I feel okay. Um, the the day after I was pretty beat. I think for me, honestly, I, my feet are a little swollen. My ankles are a little swollen. Um, I'm feeling a little bit of stuff in my right Achilles, so I'm just gonna take it easy there. But I think for me, it was the mental side that really pushed me, and that's what I that's what I wanted. That's kind of what I desired. I didn't go after like I'm not an ultra runner by any means. I didn't train for this very specifically, I just wanted to go complete the feat, So I didn't, you know, didn't have a goal of pacing. But what it did for me is it took me to a place I wanted to go mentally. And it, it really allowed me to kind of battle. And um, yeah, it's just it's just one of those things like that distance, it requires you to really it's, it's a really good metaphor for life. Like you can't, you can't sit there and be like, Oh, my gosh, I've got 27 more miles to go, or I've got X amount left, you really got to be focused on the present moment of where you are right now. And that's going to get you to the end. You can't be looking too far ahead. And so that was like my biggest like mental takeaway, I think, is just being present where you are and, and just to keep fighting.
1: I love that. That's
0: powerful. It was, it was super cool. But I appreciate what you said because said, I think it's super cool, um, you know, and what went into your process. I think people will take a lot from that. Really, really the last big thing I want to touch on again, wanting to be sensitive to your time here is your passion for education. And this is what I think again, you've had tremendous success physically, you've had tremendous success in business and all these different things, but your desire to learn and to educate and then not only to acquire that information, but then to go out and share it and help people with that information. What did that process look like for you? I know you kind of touched on it earlier as you know, you weren't necessarily the best student early on, but you started to kind of desire or just kind of appreciate or develop this, this desire to learn. What did that look like for you um, and how you kind of went into that? world and just wanting to learn and and to educate yourself
1: yeah you know in talking about the limitations that we set on ourselves it's funny because i i used to think i wasn't a strong student but only because i was putting that own limitation on myself i always viewed everybody else as smarter than me but in reality everybody else is just like you you know some people might have uh, a a better t- aptitude for learning, some people less, but ultimately we're all made of the same flesh and bones and the same amount, and the same neurons and the same brain and the same circuits. So what is stopping me from being at the level of everybody else, right? It, it was just my own self-limiting beliefs, right? So I had to get my head out of my ass at some point during during college when I was wasn't doing very well and it started realizing how far behind I was falling Um, But ultimately, I had to I I really had to dig deep to understand why that was the case, you know, and for me, it was I really wasn't studying something that that made that I was curious about, like, forget about love, forget about passion, forget about any of that. It was just curiosity is the first step in in learning something like you have to be curious on Mm -hmm. on why things are the way that they are. And I was simply not curious about business at that point in time. Now I am extremely curious. Now I want to go back to school and get an MBA. You know, I want to go to Harvard and MBA, but back then I was just not mature enough to understand how that was going to help me in the future. And I just needed to be studying something that I was, that I was curious about that, like made me feel some sort of like spark inside to want to learn and to, to question things and be skeptical. So when i moved here to the states and and i i started dabbling on different sports i i i developed an eating disorder because i wasn't comp- i wasn't competing anything at anything at at a high level so i probably wasn't training that much i wasn't taking i wasn't eating right either i was probably going out more than i should and i gained here a typical freshman 15 and developed an eating disorder was extremely unhappy about the way that i looked and the way i felt and and, and, and everything. And then on top of that, I was also shamed for feeling that way, right? Because the whole body positivity thing, oh, you just gotta, you know, accept your body the way that it is accept it the way that it is. And it's like, that is such a foreign concept for me, because I've never just accepted anything for how it is, right? If there's something that I, that I don't like, I, I go and I change it. And so I didn't understand why I was supposed to be complacent about my body. Why was I, why was I supposed to just accept it instead of, I, equipping myself with the tools that I needed to to make it the, exactly the way I wanted right and in that process yeah, I switched schools and and I started studying exercise physiology and started realizing how how misleading the world of health and fitness was mm-hmm. and how much how much help people need because of some so much uh contradictory information first of all the amount of of information that's out there second of all the amount of contradictory information that is out there and third of all the amount of um uh people who are writing and and sharing information that are not qualified to be doing that yeah. and i just saw that as an opportunity more than anything i'm like okay i think that i could get into that i i wanted to capitalize on that opportunity like obviously I wanted to help people understand the health and fitness better because I was very lost at one point to the point where I developed an eating disorder. And so I was like, okay, I, I definitely would want to be the person that filters out the shit information that's out there and that brings some level of clarity to people and, and dispel some of these, these uh, beliefs and myths that are out there. I wanted to be that person. and And so that was kind of like, what started my journey into taking my education really seriously, because I felt like I had a, a a purpose that was above just the grade. It, it wasn't about getting straight A's. It wasn't about like graduating with honors. It was about helping people yeah. and in that process, making money.
0: That's amazing. And I, and I appreciate you doing that, honestly, not not trying to hype you up, but I do think you, you hit on something that's so true, like with, Social media can be such a positive, but there's so many things that we just have to be careful of. And especially in the fitness industry, the health industry, there's so many people that are putting out information that's just not accurate. It's not true. It doesn't represent uh, a truly healthy like lifestyle or habit. And I, I appreciate what you do. You're obviously you've had a lot of success personally, but you really are sharing real factual truths with people that you've learned and spent a lot of time grinding and educating yourself and developing this. You know this knowledge to then go out and make a big difference, and I think it's super cool what you're doing. And I hope what you do continues. I know it already is, but continues to inspire others to do the same thing. Because I think that's how we can really help a lot of people. Agreed. That's awesome. Well, listen, I, I wanna I wanna wrap this up. I I know you've got um you got a lot going on, but I appreciate you coming on the show. This has been an incredible conversation. And uh, I'm super thankful for you. I think the last question I have wrapping this up is if you could give yourself any advice, uh, you know, all the different experiences, physically, mentally, things that you've gone through to where you are now at, at a younger age. What is one thing that you've learned along your journey that you think is super valuable that you would just wish you knew earlier?
1: Oof. Mm. I would say that no one really knows what they're doing. And so for me, it was, you know, comparison is a the thief of joy. So for a long time, I always felt like I was so far behind and that I had no chance of ever like catching up with people. But as I got older, I realized that no one really knows what they're doing. You know, everybody's just scrambling, you know, to try to figure it out. But no one really knows. So it's like you're not really behind. It's never too late to start, you know, and, and you have the power to do whatever you want.
0: I love it. I couldn't agree more. And uh, like I said, I just am super grateful for you and all you're doing. And if I can do anything to ever support or help you, please let us know. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. This has been a really fun episode.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening to another great episode of the AIM podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And if you found value in it, I ask that you kindly share this with a friend. We want to continue to grow this community and help more and more people every single day. If you have any questions for me, if I can ever help you anyway, please reach out to me at Doug Elks on all social and I'd be happy to help you out. Let's get after this week. Let's crush it. And as always, keep ambition in mind.